Let's continue reading verses 16 through 27 of Joshua chapter 10. Now in this section of the chapter, we have the elimination of the five kings who had joined in the coalition against Gibeon and whose armies had been defeated by Israel. Joshua 10, beginning at verse 16. But these five kings had fled and hidden themselves in a cave at Makeda. And it was told Joshua, saying, The five kings have been found hidden in the cave at Makeda. So Joshua said, Roll large stones against the mouth of the cave and set men by it to guard them. And do not stay there yourselves, but pursue your enemies and attack their rear guard. Do not allow them to enter their cities, for the Lord your God has delivered them into your hand. Then it happened, while Joshua and the children of Israel made an end of slaying them with a very great slaughter, till they had finished, that those who escaped entered fortified cities. And all the people returned to the camp to Joshua at Makeda in peace. No one moved his tongue against any of the children of Israel. Then Joshua said, Open the mouth of the cave, and bring out those five kings to me from the cave. And they did so, and brought out those five kings to him from the cave, the king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Jarmuth, the king of Lachish, and the king of Eglon. So it was, when they brought out those kings to Joshua, that Joshua called for all the men of Israel and said to the captains of the men of war who went with him, Come near, put your feet on the necks of these kings. And they drew near and put their feet on their necks. Then Joshua said to them, Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. Be strong and of good courage. For thus the Lord will do to all your enemies against whom you fight. And afterward Joshua struck them and killed them and hanged them on five trees. And they were hanging on the trees until evening. So it was at the time of the going down of the sun that Joshua commanded, and they took them down from the trees and cast them into the cave where they had been hidden and laid large stones against the cave's mouth, which remain until this very day. Once again, let's begin this section of Joshua 10 with some background notes. The armies of the five kings that had joined forces against the Gibeonites were now defeated. The troops were running away in defeat. The five kings themselves had fled and had hidden in a cave. But Joshua found out their hiding place and temporarily sealed the five kings in the cave. Can you imagine how surprised these five kings must have been when all of a sudden these large stones were rolled over against the opening of the cave, the only means of escape? They knew their doom was sealed. Meanwhile, Joshua and the Israeli army went on and pursued the enemy before the enemy forces could retreat to their fortified cities. After the battle was over, Joshua and the people of Israel returned to the cave and brought the kings out. Verses 22 and 23 once again. Then Joshua said, Open the mouth of the cave and bring out those five kings to me from the cave. And they did so, and brought out those five kings to him from the cave, the king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Jarmuth, the king of Lachish, and the king of Eglon. The king of Eglon here, incidentally, has nothing to do with King Eglon of Moab that we read about in Judges chapter 3. You know, when you visit this area in Israel today, where Makeda was, there are a lot of caves in that area. This is the same area, by the way, where David hid out with his men when he was running from King Saul at the cave of Adullam. On our Holy Land tours, we love to stop in this area and explore some of these caves. 
When Joshua brought the five kings out of the cave, he had his army captains place their feet on the necks of the kings. This was a symbolic gesture in that culture that these pagan nations had been conquered by Israel. After the kings were killed and hung on five trees, they were buried in the same cave where they had hidden. Well, so much for the background notes. Let's move now to the doctrinal or teaching points for this section of Joshua 10. What is God's word teaching us here anyway? As I thought this over and read commentary and so forth, I think we have some important spiritual lessons here about dealing with spiritual opposition. In fact, I've gotten so much out of Joshua 10, don't be surprised if the title of my next issue of Devotion for Growing Christians isn't Five Kings in a Cave. Though it'll deal with the spiritual lessons contained in this account. So let's look at some of these lessons. Doctrine or teaching point number one. The faithful believer should be efficient in spiritual warfare. The faithful believer should be efficient in spiritual warfare. When Joshua shut the five kings up in the cave, he was really being efficient in defeating these pagan nations. Rather than deal with these kings immediately, he put them under guard so that they were checked and ineffective. Meanwhile, he used his energies and forces to deal with the armies of these kings. These were more of an immediate problem and had to be dealt with before these troops could escape. I think we can see a spiritual lesson here. Remember, Joshua is a handbook for spiritual warfare. All of these armies, all of these enemies in the land of Canaan picture in some way the spiritual opposition that we face in spiritual warfare. The world, the flesh, and the devil as spiritual opposition are all illustrated throughout the book of Joshua. We must face all three of these forms of spiritual opposition in spiritual warfare. Now, I think the particular aspect of spiritual warfare that we have before us in Joshua chapter 10 is our battle with the sins of the flesh. That is the sinful nature. That is how Satan tries to capitalize on the fact that we have a sinful nature which must be kept under control or will be defeated. Now, some sins are more open and some sins are more hidden, like the kings in the cave. In fact, in most cases, the hidden sins of the flesh are root sins. The more open sins usually trace their origin and power to the root sins, just as the enemy troops trace their origin and power to the hidden kings. Let's take a couple of examples. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10 says that the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. The love of money is a root sin and can be hidden in the heart. But the open sins of stealing and cheating and even murder can flow from this root sin. Another example, pride is a root sin and can be hidden in the heart. But the open sins of jealous actions and gossip and slander and boasting all flow from this root sin. And many other examples could be given. Now here's the point. In dealing with sin in our lives and in the life of the church, we must deal with open sins and hidden sins. We've got to deal with both. But dealing with the hidden sins is not done overnight. These sins are deeply rooted. 
and require time to uproot. Open sins, however, must be dealt with immediately. Immorality, drunkenness, bad temper, idolatry, dissension are open sins and should be dealt with and disciplined and eliminated immediately. So we see that there really is this matter of efficiency in spiritual warfare. Don't let the open sins escape. Keep the hidden sins in check and deal immediately with the open sins of the flesh. We need to do this in our own lives. We need to do this in the life of the church. Open sins like Achan's sin of robbing Jericho must be dealt with and eliminated immediately. Israel had to do that before they could move on. Everybody see the lesson? The faithful believer should be efficient in spiritual warfare. Now, doctrine point number two. The faithful believer will be effective in spiritual warfare. The faithful believer will be effective in spiritual warfare. Faithful believers are not only efficient in spiritual warfare by eliminating the open sins and not letting them escape, faithful believers are also effective in spiritual warfare because they don't leave the hidden sins hidden. As Joshua brought out these pagan kings, as he brought them out of the cave and judged them, so we must do with the sins of the flesh that are hidden in our hearts, the root sins. Only then are we truly effective in spiritual warfare. That hidden root sin of pride must be admitted and judged. That hidden root sin of the love of money must be admitted and judged. The hidden root sin of selfishness must be admitted and judged. The hidden root sin of evil thoughts must be admitted and judged. The hidden root sin of self-righteousness must be admitted and judged. You know, I think we may have a picture of that hidden root sin of self-righteousness in this king, Adonai Zadok. His name means the Lord of righteousness of all things. How deceptive is self-righteousness, which continues, even when we are Christians, to try and usurp the place of the Lordship of Christ. We need to pray like David did in Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. And see if there is any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. We need to let the Lord himself, I believe pictured in Joshua here, deal with our hidden sins of the flesh. Notice that the five kings were killed and hung on five trees. Deuteronomy 21, verse 23 says, Anyone who was hanged on a tree was accursed of God. Not only were these pagan kings under the curse of God, but the hidden sins of the flesh that are pictured here are under the curse of God. We need to realize this. The Lord Jesus had to die for these sins. The Lord Jesus had to be made a curse for us because of these sins. Read Galatians 3.13 in this connection. And yet some Christians are content to live with these hidden sins. Oh, they deal with the open sins. But those hidden sins, that love of money, that pride, that selfishness, evil thoughts, self-righteousness, they don't deal with those. They let them stay in the cave. They fail to bring them out and judge them and expose them for what they really are. The Lord had to go to the cross for those sins. 
How dare we not deal with these hidden sins of the flesh? The faithful Christian will be effective in spiritual warfare. Notice how the dead kings, by the way, are buried in the same cave where they had hidden. This may be part of the picture as well. Until we get our resurrected bodies, we still have the sinful nature. Our responsibility is to keep the sinful nature in the place of death. The faithful Christian will do this because the faithful Christian will be effective in spiritual warfare. What about practical application? Let's put our foot down on sin. Let's put our foot down on sin. Again, we have a little play on words here, but it may be helpful. In verse 24, we see that Joshua had his army captains put their feet on the necks of the kings. And we saw in our background studies that this was a gesture in that culture that these pagan kings were conquered by Israel. But now do you see the spiritual lesson? Romans 16, verse 20 says, And the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. What a great day that will be. But in the meantime, we must put our foot down on sin, as it were. We must recognize that sin and Satan have been conquered at the cross. We must recognize sin in our lives, particularly the hidden sins. And we must keep it in check and judge it before the Lord. Let's put our foot down on sin.